Praise the Lord. What a great reminder as uh, Easter does approach. And uh, we'll be uh, doing some messages along those lines beginning next week and and uh, maybe even Wednesday night do some teaching on some things as well. been praying about some things uh, about the order of events. You know, there's a little bit of confusion about... Uh, uh, you know, the order of events of, of Christ's crucifixion and even his resurrection. And I've just kind of been praying about maybe doing some studies on those, maybe on a couple Sunday nights uh, as far as that goes. Uh, but like Brother Hackett said, you know, the details are good to have, uh, but remembering what that means. And as Christians, we really should celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day. Amen. As a matter of fact, a lot of times uh, Sunday, you know, is... Uh, our church services on Sunday has to do uh, with the resurrection of Christ in that day. And and uh, so every Sunday specifically is a resurrection Sunday as we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, if, if Christ's not risen from the grave, we'd just have another social club here right now, wouldn't we? Uh, it's nice. I like being around you guys and, and all of that. Uh, but what makes it special uh, is that we are celebrating a risen Savior each and every time we come through the doors of this church, and we thank the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. All right, Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. And uh, when you find Second Corinthians chapter four, if you're physically able, uh, out of reverence to the Word of God, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read just a few verses of Scripture here. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, uh, beginning with verse one. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, we find Paul, Paul was always kind of having to defend what he was preaching. Uh, there were some there that didn't think he was genuine, and he always had a hard time explaining that, hey, this isn't me, this is of God. And he says there in verse or chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, including preaching the gospel of Christ, as we have received mercy, we faint not. And uh, praise the Lord. Verse 2, but have renounced uh, the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. In other words, Paul said, hey, we're not uh, trying to scam. We're sincere. We're preaching the word of God. Uh, we're honest with the gospel. Uh, goes on to say, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So Paul had nothing to hide. Uh, he could uh, uh, boldly stand and and preach and teach what he had been preaching and teaching because it was of God. But here's the problem. He says, but in verse 3, But if our gospel, that is the truth of God, be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. That word lost, uh, talking about those that are not saved. And you see the uh, colon there, semicolon. He says, in whom the God, and uh, uh, in my Bible that word God is, has a lowercase g, so we know that's not God Jehovah, uh, that's not the God of all that there is, and whom the God of this world, that would be Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So there it is. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I want to preach to you this morning a salvation message. Uh, are you blinded by the devil? Are you blinded by the devil? Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading and preaching and teaching of the Word of God as we look at this solemn truth. And Lord, uh, as we were reminded just a while ago through song, and, and even Lord, as you uh, lead us to, uh, uh, to speak about uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and Father, the capstone of the gospel, 
And Father, we pray now that you'll help us, Lord, to stay attentive. And Father, that uh, we'll make sure our cell phones are turned off. And Lord, I understand sometimes things have to be taken care of, but if we can uh, abstain from going in or out unless absolutely necessary, Lord, so that we can all focus in on what you'd have us to say, or what you'd have us to hear, that is, and what you say. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. I explained a few things there already. But again, Paul's explaining some things about the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and really beginning all the way back in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, um, uh, Paul is promoting the ministry of Christ. Not his own ministry, but the ministry of Christ. Uh, and then by the time we get to chapter 4, he's speaking about the honesty of the gospel. It is the truth, and, and that not only him, but others as well, not only teach the gospel, but they were living the gospel uh, just as we should do uh, today. In other words, they had not handled the word of God deceitfully, as some even were in that day, and unfortunately, some do that as well. Uh, but the reason people don't see that, and he gives the explanation uh, is not seeing the truth. He says again in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, that are unsaved, in whom the God of this world, the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. And so very plain, very you know, not a lot of explanation needs to be uh, explaining the verse there. So we know what it says. And again, I just want to bring a salvation message entitled, Are You Blinded by the Devil? And I'm just going to jump right into this. My introduction is short. And just want to present several ways that the God of this world, that is the devil, can blind, can blind mankind from seeing their need for salvation. So number one, the devil blinds man to the goodness of God. The devil blinds man to the goodness of God. I believe the, the number one thing the devil wants to do to discern, concerning man uh, is to first uh, get him or her not to believe or trust the word of God. Uh, we would say today not to trust the Bible, just to see it as a man-written book. Satan told Eve when God said things, Satan told Eve, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Is that really what God said, the implication being made? Eve, are you really sure that's what God says? Oh, Eve, it'll be fine. You shall not surely die. And that's been his uh, number one. He's, he hasn't changed. He still does that today to get people to doubt the Word of God, whether it be through uh, science or education or what have you. Uh, he wants to cast doubt on the Word of God. And then the next thing the devil did was to imply to Eve that God's not fair. Yeah. He said, oh, the reason he's saying that, Eve, uh, the reason he's saying that uh, is, is uh, again, he, God's holding back from you. He doesn't want you to have, in this case, the knowledge of good and evil. He, he, you know, he's, he's jealous about that. He knows that if you do, you, you'll be like him. So God's not being fair to you. God's not being, uh, he's not being good with you. And so, again, the technique may be different, but the results are the same. Mankind today still doubts the goodness of God. And we, a lot of people are vocal about that. Ah, if there's a God, why is there so much evil in the world? What, what about all this sickness? What about cancer? What about unfairness in the world? 
And often I'm amazed at really just the audacity of man because these same people say, hey, listen, God is who you make him to be. You can worship and believe whatever you want about God. Uh, As a matter of fact, you can even be your own God. Man really likes all his fake gods, that is, until they don't do anything. (laughs) And so what do they do? They don't get mad at their little gods that don't even exist. They get mad at the true God of heaven. And they say, ah, oh, well, there's a God and all these things, and then begin to badmouth uh, the, the real God when their little gods, little G's, that is, uh, that they follow fail. I always, you know, always wonder about that. And uh, they are, are too uh, proud to understand uh, what, what is really going on there, and that's another message. But God, in reality, has been good to man. I say again, God has been good to man, even the lost. He's allowed the lost person's heart to keep beating. He's allowed their lungs to take in air and exhale air. He's given the lost yet more time in this age of grace to quit their foolishness and turn to Him. I say again, God is good to the lost. Those that reject Him. Jeremiah the weeping prophet says His mercies are new every morning. Even to those that reject Him. The problem is the lost man and woman has uh, that they have is that the devil has blinded them to his goodness. Number two, the devil blinds man towards his real spiritual condition. I'm always amazed at how man tries to spiritualize everything these days. <laughs> uh, I see that today. We, we spiritualize, you know, uh, our hobbies that we do. You know, uh, my Harley is my church. You know, nature. You know, I I enjoy God when I go set my tree stand. I, you know, we we why, you know, and I like all those things myself. But but that's not God. We try to spiritualize things. Why we do that to comfort ourselves? You see, the lost man he 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 wants to spiritualize things to comfort himself or herself. And well, what we love to spiritualize, we love to get all sentimental about uh, his or her good things that. Uh, that they do or or those that they love do. My granddaddy never went to church, never quoted a verse of scripture, but he was honest as they come. Granddaddy was a good man. If there was ever a man that went to heaven, it was granddaddy. It could very well be true that granddaddy was probably better than most, but you know what? It matters not how we look to other men. <laughs> It only matters how we look to God. If you don't have the blood of Christ on your life, you'll bust hell wide open. A man who knows not Christ is a lost man. And he's spiritually bankrupt. His problem is he's he's blind to his spiritual condition. And those good works never got anybody to heaven. And those good works never will get anybody to heaven. Shame on those preachers that preach people into heaven. So you want to show up to the gates of heaven with your golden chest of good works? You might as well just show up with an old toe sack full of filthy rags because it's going to get you about as far. We're not saved by works, the Bible says. That's a faulty spiritual condition that they made this all out to. I was a man of the world. You know, so often, you know, we, 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 we put within our hearts, hey, hey, I, I like my beer, I, I like my music, I like my Sundays off, I like my buddies, I like sleeping around, I like my dirty jokes, I, I like being me. 
Why, hey, being a Christian, I'd lose all that. How can I ever be happy and not have that? And Jesus says, you fool! What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Hey, listen, the devil blinds man to the joy of being a Christian. Besides that, uh, uh, hey, uh, there's nothing like being a Christian, amen? It's wonderful to be a Christian. Besides that, lost person, you're not happy. You might pretend that you're happy. You might even fool yourself sometimes. But you know, deep down inside, there's a void in your heart. There's a longing in your soul. You need to stop letting the devil blind you and get saved. Amen. The greatest joy of being a Christian for me, and I believe we could probably all say this, is knowing that you're going to heaven. Amen. I don't know about you, but heaven is sounding sweeter all the time. You want to make heaven sound sweeter? Watch the news. Amen. Lost person knows being blind to the joy of being a Christian. And they're certainly blind to the joy of, of knowing that they're going to heaven. And what's sad about this is everything the human soul longs for, listen to me now, everything the human soul longs for will be properly and divinely realized in that place called heaven. Amen. But the problem is the devil has blinded many concerning heaven. Number four, the devil blinds man to the reality of death and judgment. God says in His words, His word in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, not just here, but other places, says, As is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Certainly, saved people will go through a judgment, not for terms of salvation, but for rewards. But certainly, this uh, we need to think about those that will stand before God. The Bible says, before they're cast off into the hell, which is the second death, uh, they had no place to go. They had nothing to offer to make heaven their home. What a terrible thought that is. And, and I, I'm convinced of this, that, that only a person blind to the reality of hell would ever say, well, I'm going to get saved when I get ready. That's somebody who don't believe in hell. Hey, listen, if somebody really believes in hell, hey, they're going to get saved right then and there. I mean, when the reality of hell uh, comes upon the heart of man, they come to themselves, if you will, there's never none of this foolishness, this wishy-washiness, uh, this human philosophy that we want to tie in to all these things. Again, over-spiritualizing what you think and how you feel and what your life experiences have taught you. That's all a bunch of hogwash. Amen? You need to get saved. You need to understand that there is a real hell. And if you die without Christ, you'll spend forever. That is eternity in hell. And if somebody knows that, you don't have to beg them to get saved. Amen. And well, when I get ready, I'll get saved. Not today. i got to think some things out. Hey, listen. You might not have tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Boy, that's a, that's a, that's a big chance you're taking there. And besides that, it only gets harder to get saved. Right now is as easy as it's ever going to be to get saved. You wait till tomorrow, it only gets harder to get saved. Amen. Amen. So again, only a person blind to the reality of hell would smile and giggle and, and say, well, you know, preacher, just pray for me. Uh, uh, by the way, preacher, I, if I do go to hell, me and my buddies, we'll just, we'll just be whooping it up in hell. That's somebody who don't believe in hell. 
By the way, only someone blind to the reality of hell, listen very carefully, only someone blind to the reality of hell would lead family members there. Only somebody, I won't say it again, only someone blind to the reality of hell would lead family members there, and only someone blind to the reality of hell would follow a family member there. We think of granddaddy. We might even say, my daddy never had anything to do with God, and neither will I. How sad that is, because now you have two wretched souls blinded to the reality of hell and judgment. Hey, listen, hell is real. It's as real as this pulpit sitting here. Hell is real as that chair that you're sitting in. It exists. It's real, and it's awful, and it's forever. You need to get saved so no one will follow you there. Amen? We have an example of that, the rich man. Remember the rich man, Lazarus? Rich man cried from hell. He says, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, that is Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brethren, five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He knew they were going to follow him there. I've never preached a message on that, per se. I've have it probably in a lot of my messages making mention of, but often when I read that, I think you got a soul winner in hell. Amen. Think about that for just a little bit. You know, in reality, uh, when it's all said and done, there won't be any unbelievers. Everybody will believe. It's just for some, it'll be too late. A lost soul in hell trying to be a soul winner from hell. That's an amazing thought. But it tells us the horrors of hell. Go to them. Don't let them follow me here. (coughs) How awful it is that uh, family certainly follows family into hell because the devil (coughs) has blinded man uh, from the reality of hell. (coughs) And the devil don't want me to preach this message, so pray for me. The devil blinds man, (coughs) number five, to the way of salvation. We've already talked a little bit about that already. He first does this by blinding man to the truth of the Bible. This verse has come up a lot in our teachings uh, on Friday nights and also in Sunday school. <coughs> First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, The natural man, that is, somebody that's not saved, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, <coughs> for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know, a lost person may approach the Word of God, may approach even a sermon like this, looking for proof of God. I dare you to try to prove me there's a God. You'll not find proof of God. Amen. Besides that, God doesn't need to prove anything to you. The Bible just simply teaches us He is. And He is. He is the I Am. The Bible shows... Uh, The Bible, the Word of God, and even this message is not here to prove to you there's a God. The Bible and even this message is to show you your need to be saved. And it's your choice. The devil has possibly blinded you. You have no way of understanding its truth. You get saved, and then you'll have the Holy Spirit inside of you to guide you in this truth, as we've been learning in Sunday school and and, uh, other uh, teachings as well. But first of all, you've got to cry out from your blindness. There's another way the devil likes to blind people from salvation is he likes to blind them with religion. 
you know, he, he likes to put a little leaven in there. Eh, we'll use the name of Christ. And we'll talk about the cross. And we'll talk about forgiveness. And we'll talk about mercy. And we'll talk about grace. We're also going to add this in here too. Amen. Jesus said, no one comes unto the Father but by me. A lost person, sometimes we're blind and, you know, we have this hopeless and desperate condition, but yet we we want to try to find something to fill that, that void and so we might get a little religious. Some are blinded in that the devil has really put a blindfold of a false hope over their eyes. A blindfold of being baptized or confirmed as a child. I often ask people why they're going to heaven and more times than I can count. Well, I got baptized when I was... And believers ought to get baptized. I say believers ought to get baptized. Amen. I was confirmed as a child. Never find that in the Bible. Blindfold of having your name on a church roll somewhere. I believe your name ought to be on a church roll. But I believe believers' names ought to be on a church roll. Blindfold of keeping some type of sacrament or work. A blindfold of being forgiven by some priest on a, a weekly or daily basis. A blindfold probably of the biggest things that jump out of my head is following dead and false messiahs. Blindfold of Muhammad or Buddha or Joseph Smith, the Pope, Gandhi, Ellen White, Charles Russell, and some other lodge of some kind. Those are blindfolds that are keeping you from finding the true way to salvation. And the God, that is the little g, the devil of this world, has blinded many. So we go back to our verse, in whom the verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ is the image of God should shine unto them. He don't want nobody to be saved. You can be religious all you want. You don't have to be a, a, a pitchfork-toting, devil-worshiping sinner. The devil doesn't care about that. You can be as moral as the day is long, just as long as you don't have Christ in your heart. He's fine with that. You don't even have to believe in Him. He's fine with that. You can badmouth him until you go to the grave. He is fine with that, as long as you don't belong to Jesus. God's reaching down, maybe even now, to some soul that needs to be saved today and desires to heal your blindness, to remove that blindfold of, of lies, confusion, whatever it may be, and to reveal to you, as we see there, his glorious gospel. You can open your eyes and see... And just in conclusion, just want to quickly give you the plan of salvation, and we'll have the invitation here in just a moment. Number one, no matter what you may think or what others have told you as far as being fit for heaven, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do not let the devil blind you from this truth. You might be a good old boy, but that don't mean that you're saved. Number two, because we've sinned and we are guilty, there's a penalty for that sin. Romans 6.23 simply says the wages, the cost of being a sinner, the penalty for being a sinner, the wages of sin is death. That is the spiritual death defined, described for us in Revelation 20.14. Death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, which is the second death. I'm not talking about a physical death, but a spiritual death. There is no such thing as annihilation. 
It's a place of forever dying, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, as Jesus says, where the worm dieth not. This hell thing's really serious. You need to have it right. can't afford not to. The true spiritual condition that the uh, the devil maybe is blinding you to is that you are indeed lost and you're headed to a devil's hell. Number three, but there's certainly more truth that you're blinded to, but it's a good. <laughs> it's In other words, it gets better. There's hope. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Did you get that? While we were yet sinners? While we were yet lost and dead in our sin and the enemy of God? While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And if that isn't love, I don't know what is. If that isn't a good God, then there isn't a good God. You're just blind. Don't let the devil blind you to the truth that salvation only comes through faith in Christ. The truth is, a sinner who is guilty can turn to the grace of God and be declared innocent. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We repent of our sin, Acts 20.21, repentance towards God, faith toward Jesus Christ. Don't get all bogged down in repentance. Repentance just means changing your mind. I'm living without Jesus. Hey, he's right and I'm wrong. I'm turning around and I'm walking towards, I'm walking towards Christ. That's repentance. It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's not some magical sentence that we say. Amen. We need to remove the blindfold and see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, as he said, and no one comes into the Father but by him, in him alone. There's uh, truth. The truth is, you don't have to stay blind, amen? Favorite Bible word, whosoever. Amen, I love that word, whosoever. You say, preacher, why do you love that word? Because I, 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 I am one. <laughs> I'm a whosoever, Amen. And in March, uh, the day before my wife's birthday in 1998, this old whosoever got down on his knees, praise God, hallelujah, and asked Jesus Christ to forgive him of his sin. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, amen! I hope I never get tired of it. You might not be excited about your salvation, but I'm sure excited about mine. Amen! I once was lost, but now I'm found. Once was blind, but now I see. Amen. (laughs) For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Whosoever. And it means whosoever. Simply come and acknowledge you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Ask Jesus to take you to heaven when you die. Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. And the only reason a lot of people will talk about the unpardonable sin or we weigh in our minds and say, well, you know, this old boy over here, he done this and he done that. He's surely going to hell. This old boy here, he wasn't perfect. But, you know, he wasn't as bad as this guy. He might be in heaven. And what I'm saying is we kind of have the tendency to 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 uh, look at, at heaven as, as, as you know, uh, more sin, less sin, bigger sins. Uh, whatever, you know, the case may be. But I just want to tell you something. We're all sinners. 
we've all fallen short and come glory come short of the glory of God. And Jesus forgives the sinner. That's the only one he will forgive. Think about it. We try to come to Christ on our own works, our own merit. He'll have none of that. Amen. He'll have none of that. I want to say again, Jesus doesn't save good old boys and good old gals. He saves sinners who have come to themselves and repented of their sin and asked Christ to come into their heart. And they believe what the Bible tells about Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. You just simply need to come and trust him. Jesus died for the sinner. He didn't die for anybody that was good because there is none. There is none. So as our pianist comes, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. The invitation is open. I might just say, believer, come pray for that lost loved one. Come and pray that God would help you to be a a witness unto the gospel of Christ as we think about uh, Resurrection Sunday coming up very quickly. That is Easter. 